0: Oh, that is the cry of our heart, isn't it? Each and every day, Lord, make me a servant. I have a little pla- a little uh, laminated thing on the top of my desk where um, it's a dedication of my eyes and my hands, my mind, my heart to the Lord to make me a servant. And I passed it out to my Bible study girls. I'll bet you have them too. So, um, we have this week um, men's Bible study, is that correct? Yes, at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6.30 on Tuesdays. So men, you're invited to that. Tuesday um, afternoon, or Tuesday morning rather, is women's grace Bible study. Or of course, you're all welcome to that. Thursday evening at 6 o'clock is uh, prayer and potluck, and it's a really blessed time. And prior to that, at 4, is our worship team meeting. So, um, Gospel Rescue, we will not be collecting. If anything you bring is great, we'll be watching food coming in for collection there. Um, Gosh, I think... I think that might be it. Does anybody have any other announcements today? Oh, Easter sign-up. In the back is the sign-up to bring food for Easter Sunday, and we need to be uh, finishing the sign-ups there. And invitations. Think about sending invitations out to your friends and family uh, to join us for uh, sunrise service, which is going to be beautiful. 7 o'clock. We'll be having that sign go out today. Okay, any other any other announcements? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for this glorious day. And we do want to be your servants and we do offer our hands, our voices, our eyes, our ears, our minds, our feet wherever we go as to be your servants today. Remind us in the places where we land today that um, we don't leave you behind, but that you are Lord of all the earth, all creation, and we are to bring your light wherever we go. And so we praise and thank you for this day, and we look to you to see all that you will do, both in our service and in our lives today. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Good morning, everybody, and if you need a word of encouragement, sit back and listen. Cowardly or courageous, if God is for us, who can be against us? The chairman of the history department of one of our greatest universities once stated his opinion. We have become a nation of cowards. His statement was challenged, but he argued that many people have become reluctant to follow a course that isn't popular. If you have to admit it, he's right. Even if deep inside we know it to be right, we draw back because we are afraid of the consequences. If the odds are in our favor, we will take a stand. But if there is any risk involved in standing up for what we know to be right, we will play it safe. How different from the early Christians. From one end of the Roman Empire to the other, they boldly proclaimed the gospel in the face of hostility, persecution, scorn, and even death. And the Apostle Paul knew the key. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You may never face the same dangers as the early Christians, uh, but don't take the road of cowardness. Don't give in to fear. Remember, if God is for us, who can be against us. And the hope for today, if you are currently avoiding a conversation or a situation out of fear, ask God to give you the same attitude that Paul had among the Thessalonians. Bold, but gentle. And remember, God is for you. And with that, let's praise our Lord.
2: Come, let us worship and bow
3: down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let
0: Amen. Well, Thank
4: you, Lord. Old Testament this morning is from Joshua, the first chapter. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place where the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea. Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Would you stand with me as we read the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
5: Uh, The New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 60. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear, whether it be true or not. If you join me in the responsive of reading. This day is full of beauty and adventure. Help me, Lord, to be fully alive to it all. During this day, may I become a more thoughtful person, a more prayerful person, a more generous and kindly person. Help me not to be turned in on myself, but to be sensitive and helpful to others. Let me do nothing today that will hurt anyone, but let me help at least a little to make life more pleasant for those who I meet. When night comes, may I look back on this day without regrets. And may nobody be unhappy because of anything I have said or done or failed to do. Lord God, bless this day for me and all of us. Make it a day in which we grow a little more like your son. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, we know that you created the universe. And we were so smart, we thought we knew how big it was. Now we know that it's bigger. So maybe we weren't so smart. And we probably only know how what our technology will now show us. But you know it all. You know where everything is. You have put it there. You've put it there for purpose. And Lord, you allow us to be, to have different talents, different assets. But you, recall, you require us to give back, to share with others, share with others who do, who are not as fortunate, and others who do not know you. So, we, Lord, we ask you that you bless the gifts that we give today, that we may always be thankful for you and for the Son and for the, the grace that you have given us for, by forgiving our sins. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: to grow. Maybe that's why God made roses mm. God is in a whisper if you listen closely Winter means the spring is just a breath away Don't go any faster than this very moment. Mm -hmm. Sing a hallelujah in the pouring rain. Can't you see that you must have known? To the one whose resurrection's here and now All things made new
2: The Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning. I was watching YouTube last night. And something rather unexpected came on. And he told me I should share this with you. I said, Lord, if I share this, they may not pay attention to the sermon. He said, share it anyway. There is a consortium that's convened in Canada this week. Investors shaking their heads and wondering where to put their money in light of all the financial turmoil in the country. Some very interesting facts have come out. I'll start by saying 666 is here. It's called central bank digital currency. China, Russia, and much of Europe is already using it. The Great Reset is here. The new world order is taking shape. It's very identifiable. The World Economic Forum says the entire world economy will be digital, 666. By 2030, it will happen before then. And what is the World Economic Forum's mantra? What is the new world order? You'll have nothing, own nothing, and be happy. In July, the Federal Reserve will launch groundwork for the central bank digital currency. The Fed controls our currency. Remember, the Fed is not owned or controlled by the United States government. It's controlled by the Rothschilds. And who are the Rothschilds? WEF. President Biden signed an executive order last week laying groundwork for the central bank, digital currency in the United States. How does it work? It is, and this is scary, programmable fiat currency based on your credit and debit card purchases, which will enable Big Brother, to track everything you do, everything you buy, and eventually tell you what you can buy and what you cannot. You'll have nothing, own nothing, and be happy. The American dollar as the world reserve currency could effectively end by the end of this year. Why? The world is now split between East and West. Only those economies loyal to the U.S. dollar, a.k.a. the West, Britain, Australia, and those dependent on our foreign aid will continue to rely on the U.S. currency. What happened? What brought this about? Afghanistan. The world watched the U.S. fold as a military might, and it is frightened that we will turn on the rest of our allies and they are running from us like rats from a sinking ship. BRICS, get familiar with the term, B-R-I-C-S. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, the most stable economies other than China presently, have formed their own currency and are selling off American securities right and left and buying gold. What are the other power brokers doing? I warned you last month that the Saudis would side with the Chinese regarding the US petrodollar. They've already done it. The Saudis are now trading oil for Russian rubles, Chinese Yuan and other currency. This means the end of the United States petrodollar. Saudi Arabia has signed a pact with Russia for military protection. They have washed their hands of America. They trusted Trump. They do not trust Biden. They will now rely on Russia for their military support. All our sanctions against Russia for the Ukraine Ukraine war have backfired. Eighty-five percent of the world continues to trade with Russia. We're not even a blip on their radar. Why is the current administration sending more and more military hardware and dollars to the Ukraine? This is really scary. The reason is as old as the history of mankind. When your economy is failing, start a war. War will restart your economy. The current administration is already sending U.S. troops to Ukraine. We already have a military presence there equal to the beginnings of Vietnam. Don't be surprised if a draft is put in effect rather soon. There's an economic summit, as I mentioned earlier, that's in Canada right now. And the takeaways are this. According to what I would consider to be clear-headed thinkers right now, the takeaways are invest in gold and silver, have a six-month supply of non-perishable food as soon as you can get it, and buy everything in cash. Why buy everything in cash? It's the only way to fight the central bank digital currency. The CBDC goes into effect, and the only way you will be able to buy and sell will be the black market unless you join CBDC. And guess how CBDC is going to be implemented? On your cell phone. You become your own bank, but you have to buy from the central bank. How bad is the US economy? The Fed issued a list last week of 168 US banks that are in trouble. The SVB bank failure two weeks ago was just the tip of the iceberg. Experts are saying that within 24 months, only six banks will be left in the United States. Those that are the top six now are all that will be left. Bank of America, Chase, etc. Experts are saying that the coming recession at best will be worse than the 2008 global collapse and at worst. Equal to the Great Depression. I've preached this before. America has to collapse before Antichrist can come to power. The Christian perspective. What is the Christian perspective? Gold and silver won't save you unless you're mega rich. Cash will be king for the next one to two years. Start loving on all your Christian friends. The only way Christians will survive this is the way the early church in Rome did. We will barter among ourselves. We will support each other. And that's how we will survive. Our Rome is burning. If you want to verify any of this, check out Kitco News on YouTube, or you can go to Google. K-I-T-C-O dot news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're our only hope. We know this, but we're going to have to start living it. We're going to have to start living it very seriously. But your grace is unfathomable. And we bless you and praise you for that grace because we're going to be living in it 24-7 very soon. Now, Father, speak to us through your word, through the message you have given me. Encourage our hearts and remind us perfect love casts out all fear. I ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Show us slide one, please. Title of my sermon this morning is The Servant's Song. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece in the entire narrative of the Bible. And that narrative is a story of God's redemption of mankind. Where that narrative put to music It would be the grandest of operas. The storyline of this opera would be pure romance. More captivating by far than anything Beethoven, Mozart, or Wagner ever wrote. With deeper meaning and artistic wonder than all the classic poets combined. This opera would feature Jesus Christ singing four arias. What's an aria? It's a ballad. And what would that aria be about? God's saving grace brought to life and offered to mankind in the person of God's suffering servant, Messiah. There are four such arias contained in the book of Isaiah. We call them servant songs. These four songs articulate who and what the redemption of mankind is and in exacting and at times morbid detail tell us how that redemption will be accomplished. Our text this morning is Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11 which contains the third of these four servant songs. I want us to focus on the man and the God-man this morning. Incarnate God, who emptied himself of his divine attributes. Slide two. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. This is basically Messiah speaking. So that I know how to comfort the weary. I want to read that to you again. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I may know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. I've taught this before from Philippians. Jesus emptied out kenosis is the Greek word. What did he empty himself of? His divine attributes. So here we have Messiah that really does not know the mind of God. He has to seek the mind of God because he's given up his divine attributes. The Sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I have offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. He who gives me justice is near. Slide three, please. Verse eight. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Now we're talking about Jesus' ascension. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord, rely on your God. But watch out. You who live in your own light, and warm yourselves by your own fires this is the reward you will receive from me you will soon fall down in great torment i have not rebelled or turned away i offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard in first century palestine to pull out a man's beard was not only painful, it was an insult to his manhood. The only greater insult was castration. Verse seven, therefore I have set my face like flint, determined to do his will. More than half of biblical Israel is located in the Negev desert. The hardest stone you will find in the Negev is flint. Flint is even harder than steel. When you strike steel against flint, the sparks that are made are tiny pieces of steel being removed from that steel. This is how the Israelites would start their fires, striking flint against steel or stone. Here in Isaiah 50, the servant Messiah is resolute. He is unshakable in his quest to get to Jerusalem and complete his quest, his true mission, to sacrifice himself for the sins of mankind. Isaiah is prophesying about Messiah's passion. He set his face like flint, immutable. Immovable. We see Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled in Luke chapter 9. Slide 4, please. Luke 9, 51. From the King James. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Received up is a term of the entire sequence of Messiah's life in his last weeks. Betrayal, arrest, unimaginable torture, agonizing death, resurrection, and finally, ascension. Received up covers all that. But each event is inextricably linked. One can't happen without the other. There is no glory without suffering. The most difficult part of the Christian journey is learning how to embrace suffering. There is no rabbit foot, no good luck charm, no talisman when you walk the way of Jesus. When you walk the way of Jesus, you will suffer. But why? Because life is suffering. Just look at the news. And when a lost world sees you suffer like they are, and you survive the flames, they see hope. They see Jesus. It's like the old hymn says, I came through tribulation, how about you? You ever heard that one? When we get to heaven, there will be those who have arrived before us, and they will ask, how was your journey? And we will answer, it was fraught with trials, troubles, heartaches, but praise God, there was joy in the journey. There was glory all the way. Can I hear an amen? Slide five, please. Back to our text in Luke 9, verses 52 and 53. He, Jesus, sent messengers ahead to the Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. If you were a Jew passing through Samaria, During the time of Passover, the Samaritans knew exactly where you were going. You were going to Jerusalem. It was the only shortcut. But Jews and Samaritans had been enemies for centuries. The Samaritans were inhospitable to Jesus, not just because he was a Jew, but because he did not recognize their temple on Mount Garrison. They were hung up on dogma. Remember we talked about dogma last week. If you don't go to my church, if you don't believe like I do, you're a heretic. Dogma is going to keep a lot of people out of heaven. Do you remember Jesus' dialogue with the Samaritan woman at the well? She told Jesus, you Jews say the only place to worship God is at the temple in Jerusalem while our people say it is here at our temple on Mount Garrison, if you don't go to our church, you're lost. And how did Jesus answer? The time has come when it won't matter where you worship, because my Father seeks worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. But nothing has changed in the past 2,000 years. Today, people will still revile you bitterly over the issues of dogma. Man's thinking in place of God's thinking. Dogma. And why will so-called fellow Christians revile you? Because it's more important to them to think they're right than to honor your point of view. It's like my dad used to say, if no one is upset with you and now you're serving God, you're not doing anything. You make up your mind to serve God and even Christians will come against you. Jesus always had people upset with him. And what were they upset with him about? Mostly dogma. And what did Jesus say about that? Blessed is he who is not offended in me. When where we worship becomes more important than how we worship, even more important than why we worship, we're lost in legalism. What is legalism? Religiosity. Trying to earn your way to God. It can't be done. The why we worship is all important. What does scripture say? God inhabits the praise of his people. This is why we worship. The romance we have with our Savior is all about proximity. I counsel every couple I marry that God intends in marriage that they will learn about the intimacy the Lord Jesus wants with his bride, the church. I tell them sex is a very small part of a good marriage. A good marriage is built on acts of service, acts of kindness, gratitude, encouragement, courtesy, and perseverance. Where's my amen? Perseverance. One of the foundation blocks of marriage is the faith and trust that your spouse will always be there for you. If you're single, your spouse is Jesus, and he will always be there for you. A good marriage is not self-centered or self-serving. My wife will tell you these things are not completely natural for me. It's been very much a learned behavior. But you learn to love when you are loved. And that's why we call our relationship with Jesus a romance. In our culture, it's hard for the human mind to comprehend passion as anything but lust. We are so self-consumed, it's hard for us to comprehend that Jesus, all-consuming passion, was the cross. But he knew what his suffering and death would accomplish. Mankind put into right relationship with Father God. Slide six, please. Hebrews 2, verses 3 through 18 from the message. We touched on this last week. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore other translations say if we are indifferent to this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. Verse 5, and furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we're talking about. What future world? The millennial kingdom. For in one place the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, or the son of man that you should care for him? Psalm 8. Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Slide 7, please. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. We're still talking about the millennial kingdom. You and I, we will have authority over all things. But we have not yet seen all things put under the authority of the redeemed. The Millennial kingdoms are not here yet. What we do see, is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that Father God should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. If you think you're going to be a leader in the church of Jesus Christ and not suffer, you're mistaken. And it was only right that Father God should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation what's this mean it means for 33 years jesus spent on this earth he lived every day and every minute as a man we're going to talk a little more about kenosis he emptied himself philippians 2 7 jesus emptied himself of his greater divine attributes all-knowing all-powerful everywhere present but not his divinity. Jesus lived his entire life on this earth as a perfect man. Only a perfect man, the perfect son of God, could be an acceptable sacrifice to Father God. So many Christians struggle with this. If Jesus was God in the flesh, Why would he take off his Superman suit and live just like you and me? Why would he do that? We find it hard to see that Jesus prayed to the Father for every direction, every miracle, and every word, he would say, just like you and I are supposed to do every day of this world. We seek the Father morning, noon, and night for every move, for every word. He lived under the total authority of Father God and did nothing without the Father's direction. Read the Gospels. Confirms every word. And this is exactly how you and I are to live. We do nothing other than by the direction of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Thereby Jesus lived fully as a man, but a man in perfect step with and empowered by Almighty God. He never set aside his deity. Do you remember when the temple guards came to arrest Jesus in Gethsemane and they asked, which of you is Jesus? And Jesus answered, I am he. He gave his Divine name. I am. He. And what happened? They fell backwards. He didn't give up his divinity. He simply pronounced his name and people fell down. Jesus experienced every hurt, every betrayal, every spiteful word. All the disdain, the cursing and prejudice this world can offer all this so you can never say Lord you don't understand you never lost a child to cancer you were never divorced bankrupt scammed out of your life savings had your house repossessed how would Jesus answer that foxes have dens and birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus knew a thing or two about being homeless because he spent the better part of three years running and hiding from those who wanted to kill him. Slide eight. Isaiah 53, verses three through four from the NLT. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. Isaiah 52, 14. But many were amazed when they saw his face. So disfigured he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man. The temple guards that arrested Jesus in Gethsemane took him to the high priest, beat him with their fist, pummeled his face with their fist and spit on him. Then when he was turned over to the Roman soldiers, they beat him about his head with sticks and then applied a crown of thorns. Jesus' face was completely disfigured before he ever went to Pilate's whipping post. Slide nine, please. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 from the message. Since the children of God are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. Who are the children of Abraham? Every last one of us. Genesis 22:18. 18, what was God's covenant with Abraham? Through you, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. You're a child of Abraham. That's why Jesus had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself all the pain, all the testing. This time of year, we all need to watch The Passion of the Christ, to remind ourselves how brutal was his suffering, to reflect on how great was the price of our redemption. We all have our favorite Christmas movies, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on What is it, 34th Street? I like um, The Family Man. We all have our favorite movies. Likewise, we need to make The Passion of the Christ our Passover movie. Notice I said Passover, not Easter. Don't dare tell me it's Easter. It's not Easter, it's Passover. This Passover, let's imagine that we're all Israel. God's people held in captivity in godless Egypt. And Father God is about to visit his final plague on our Egypt. And if you think America is not Egypt, think again. And therefore we must paint the blood of God's sacrificial lamb on the doorpost of our hearts, so the angel of death will pass over us. If you don't have Jewish friends to share a Seder with this Passover, make your own. Go to YouTube. Everything you need to know. Invite your friends and neighbors. But this, Lynn, I want us to focus on Jesus the man. And let's do so through the eyes of Isaiah. Let's not just consider but meditate on the Messiah's passion, his perseverance. His consummate commitment. I've preached a lot on Isaiah 30, 15 recently. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But consider what the Lord says in the following verses. Slide 10, please. Isaiah 30, 18 through 22. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. So he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. This is a common theme through Isaiah. Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Verse 19, he, the Lord, will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. This is Isaiah's prophecy of Messiah. 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, you will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. The voice will speak from behind you and it will say, this is the way you should go. Whether to the right or to the left, then you will destroy all your silver idols and precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. There's a caveat. Did you notice? There's a caveat. When you listen, and when you hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way you should go, then you will destroy your idols. When you feel the hand of God in your life, that's when you wake up and you get rid of your idols, anything that you put in front of your relationship with Almighty God. Until you're listening to God, you will have no conviction, no prompting from the Holy Spirit to get rid of your idols. This is why we drift away from God. We don't want to hear that voice saying, this is the way you should go. What distracts us from true commitment to Christ? E.H. Peterson. Normal life is full of distractions and irrelevancies. Then comes catastrophe, a protracted illness or an accident, job loss, divorce, death of a loved one. Then reality sets into our lives and they are rearranged without anyone consulting us or waiting for our permission. All of us are given days, months, even years of exile. The exile of grief and despair. What will we do with them? Wish we were someplace else? Complain? Escape into fantasies? Drug ourselves into oblivion? Or will we do what God commanded Israel while in their Babylonian captivity? He said, build plant, marry, and seek the shalom of where you are and the people who you are with. Did you know some of the most vibrant churches in America are in our penitentiaries? When you're in exile, you seek Jesus. Exile reveals what really matters and frees us to pursue what really matters, which is to seek the Lord God with all our hearts. And what did Jeremiah say? When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Staying on track in the Christian life requires that we set our faces like Flint, just like Jesus did. Slide 11, please. St. Paul set his face like flint to finish his course, Philippians 3, 12 through 14 from the Living Bible. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the price for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ did for us. And how do you and I set our faces like flint for what God has called us to do? Slide 12. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. The NIV. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, most of us have uh, interpreted this verse all wrong. We've got it all wrong. This is not implying that the saints in heaven are peering down upon us. It means we have a vast historical panorama of faithful servants to God to which we can look back on their lives and be inspired. You and I are not on the football field and the stadium is filled with saints in heaven looking down on us. You and I are in the stadium looking down on the history of faithful servants of God who have achieved victory. And we are supposed to be inspired. Can I hear an amen? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. I'm going to pray this. Pray it with me silently. Father, please help me set my face toward your will for my life. Help me be submissive to your will. Father, help me to pray what my Jesus prayed in his servant song. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, and I am determined to do his will. Therefore I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who gives me justice is near. Make it so, Father, in Jesus' name, amen in lieu of uh, our benediction this morning let me review our question number eight from our list entitled 10 questions that help you determine if you are truly alive and awake to jesus question number eight are you finding god's grace more glorious and fulfilling now than in your past If you don't find God's grace more glorious and more fulfilling with each and every passing year, you're drifting out to sea. Perhaps you heard about the couple from Flagstaff that went kayaking kayaking off the beach at Rocky Point this Thanksgiving. The wife was a professor at NAU, and they left behind two young children. The brother of the husband said, I will always think of my brother as a hero for the actions he took trying to save his wife. Almost anywhere you go off the beaches in Mexico, the currents are incredibly strong, whether you're on the Pacific side or the Gulf side. If you're not experienced, you will get pulled out to sea. Very few are strong enough to make it back. I'm not disparaging this couple. The sea is very unforgiving and infinitely stronger than the finest athlete. Accidents happen. I scuba dive for over 30 years. I have so many tragic stories I could tell you. But you and I were created to be spiritual fish. We were created to swim upstream against the current. But if we stop swimming, we die. We're like sharks. If we stop swimming, we die. This sea we're swimming in is very dangerous. So if we don't listen to God and swim in his strength, We're in grave peril. Blessings to you all.
7: His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me, I heard about his groaning, of his precious love's atoning, then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing and we made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see and on I cried dear Jesus come heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and about a mansion he has built built for me in glory and I heard heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about About the angels angels singing and and the old redemption story and And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory Victory in Jesus, in Jesus our my Savior. Savior. loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood.
5: Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Let us all be servants. Let us know our place. We all have talents and gifts, and we have things that we can share, but we should do them as servants, understanding that nothing that we do to glorify ourselves ends up glorifying you. So let us be servants to serve you and to show our love. As we ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you join us now in Heart of a Servant.